0: We'll be in Genesis chapter eight this morning. Genesis chapter eight. Thankful for God's word, and uh, I uh, I work on those verses over and over again. And I, I, I will tell you the hardest place to recite them is here for some reason. That uh, uh, I don't know if there's a lot of my mind or what that's going on, but. Uh, I tell you what, I'm glad that God's word is rich, and uh, uh, I keep saying a lot of those verses over and over again as I'm driving and different things, and it uh, it just blesses me because there sometimes every once in a while you get a little glimpse of heaven. You yeah. think about what God has in store for us. Uh, And it's a blessing. It helps us to go on. I'm telling you what, this world, uh, I don't find satisfaction in this world. It's just not there. You know, I don't find peace in this world. It's not there. Uh, But I'll tell you what I find in this world is I find the fingerprints of God all over it. He not only did he create it, but I look around like Brother Preston said, and I can see people that have been saved and, and see the before and after and see what God's doing. I look in my life and see what he's done in my life. And it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing what he's done. Uh, but I want to look at Genesis 8, familiar uh, a, little, uh, a familiar story, but I don't think we, we use chapter 8 as much when we talk about Noah's ark. Uh, but I want to look at it. We're going to read a couple verses, Skip, and read a few more. But Genesis 8, 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuage. Uh, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters uh, decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains uh, seen were the tops of the mountain seen. And it came to pass. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. We're going to skip down to verse 12. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering off the ark and looked. And behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, the... uh, "...on the seventh and twentieth day of the month the earth was dried, and God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives." With thee. Lord, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that this morning in the time that we have, Lord, that your Word would come alive in our hearts and minds. Lord, that we would uh, draw strength from it. Lord, that it would touch our hearts, Lord, if any are lost, uh, that, that are listening or watching or here, Lord, I pray that they'd come to know you before it's too late. And Lord, that we would draw closer to you and learn of you today. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Open up our ears and our minds for what your heart has. Has for us, and Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit can touch hearts anywhere, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So, uh, you know, I... Noah's Ark is probably one of the more familiar stories of the entire Bible. Uh, and here's the thing you've heard me say it over and over again. The more familiar the story, the more you got to slow down, the more you got to look at it carefully, think about it, uh, you know, and look as you're getting into this. But one of the things that uh, when you read through it, when you read, you know, S- chapter seven and eight, uh, you realize how short the story really is. It's a very short story in the Bible. But that doesn't equate to the time that Noah and his family spent on the ark. See, that's one of the dangers when when the Bible's kind of concise about something, doesn't give a whole lot of details. Sometimes we just think, you know, maybe it was just just a short amount of time. But uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 17 says it rained for 40 days. Then we get in chapter 8, in verse 4, it says on day 150, the ark rested on the Mount Ararat. And verse 5, day 224, the mountains were uh, had finally become visible. Verse 6, 40 days later, so now we're up to day 264. Noah sent out a raven. We didn't talk about that. The raven left and didn't come back. Verses 8 and 9, Noah waits 7 days, sends out a dove, and it returns because it had no place for its foot to land. Now we're up to day 278. Uh verses 10 and 11, he waits another week, another seven days, sends out another dove that returns with an olive leaf. That's day 278. Noah waits another week in verse 12, sends out the dove again and it doesn't come back. That's day 285. Noah takes the cover off in verse 13. Now we're up to day 314. And then in verses 14 and 15, 56 days later, God tells Noah to come off the ark and and family, after being in the ark for 370 days, walk off the ark. Now, when I say 370, is that something that you remember really? No, I remember it rained for 40 days and I forget how long they actually spent on this ark. See, the uh, the last time, one of the things also to think about in this story is in chapter 7, verse 1. That's the last time we have recorded that God talks to them uh, before he tells them to get off. We So chapter 7, verse 1, we've got, uh, he tells them to get in the ark, get everyone in the ark. Uh, and then uh, they tell them to get off at the end of a year, uh, a period before the flood started. So there, remember, Noah spent about 100, 120 years. Building the ark, somewhere in there, uh, they they kind of debate how long it was, but it's at least a hundred years, uh, and then finally they get in the ark with the animals, uh, and God shuts the door, you know. So then they're in the ark, and and have you you've probably heard people say that. You know, it wasn't really a worldwide flood, right? It wasn't or it wasn't very deep or anything like that. Well, uh, God made them build an awful large boat if the flood was only a foot high or something like that or or whatever people say it was or if it was local Uh, there. The Bible says that the water was across the entire earth. And it says uh, uh, that uh, you take the tallest mountains on earth and the water was 15 cubits higher than that. So about 22 feet higher than the highest mountain, which tells me the ark was not going to run aground on anything until the water started coming down. It was a worldwide flood because God said he was done. He was done with the wickedness on the earth and he was flooding it and they were starting over And even after the Lord shut off the water, it took 164 days for the earth to dry out. That's how much water was on the earth. Every single person and land animal died that wasn't safely in the ark. That's the story that God's talking about. But I always want to uh, look at the setting real quick. Genesis 6 5, this is what it looked like. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Kind of sounds like today. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 24 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For yeah. as in the days of Noah were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be so in the Bible we have described before the flood came there was great wickedness and also not only that Jesus said there was a spiritual apathy. They didn't really care about anything right? 2 Peter 2 5 says Noah was a preacher of righteousness so as Noah was building the ark for those at least 100 years he's also preaching righteousness. He's also telling people the truth. He's saying that judgment is coming uh, as He's building the ark, and I I said it in Sunday school. That is what faith looks like, by the way. I believe God, but I don't just believe God sitting on my rear. I believe God by getting up and doing what he says he's going to do in my life. So for Noah, he said, I want you to build an ark to save you from judgment. Noah said amen and grabbed a hammer. Amen. That's what he did. He got up, and he believed it, and he started working on it. I'm here to tell you, uh, don't tell me you have faith. If you're just sitting and doing nothing and waiting on God, that's not faith. Anyway, we'll keep going. Jesus says they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And I remember the first time I really looked into that closely and I thought, now, wait a second. None of those things are sinful, right? Eating. We all eat. Drinking. We got to drink. You'll be dehydrated if you don't. Marrying, giving in marriage. What's the problem? You know what the problem was? Because I asked the Lord a long time ago. I said, Lord, you got to help me with this. It doesn't make sense. What's the problem? And he's saying, hey, they're living their life. As if judgment would never come, they're living their life as if a flood would never come. Why would you be so uh, infatuated with where you're going to eat, where you're going to drink, what you know, plans for down the road when the flood is coming and it's going to kill you if you don't do something about it? But that's what this world is doing today. Amen. They're, they care more about where they're going to eat, where they're going to drink, where they're going to uh, uh, you know, get together and everything else and future plans. Yet they're not planning for eternity. Yeah. Amen. That's what we're seeing. And I, I truly believe, this is my sanctified imagination, but I truly believe that they were, they, there were a lot of people that saw the ark. It was so big, it would not have it would have been something that people would have heard about. And I, I believe a lot of people would have seen it, and especially the ones that lived nearby where he's building it. And I believe there were, uh, and this is where it's a little imagination, it's not in the Bible, but I believe there were people that were eating outside and were watching. Watching animals walk into that ark and yeah. thought, Wouldn't you well, well, look at that. Isn't that strange? That seems a little strange. All those animals walking up into the air. I don't think Noah had to force uh, a lot of these animals because some of them he couldn't have. But I think God just had them go right up in there. And there are people saying, isn't that strange? Now can I get the menu? Yeah. Right? Yeah. All the while the flood was coming. Yes. This world is acting as if Jesus will never come back. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. The days of Noah will look like the days before I come back where there will people that will live their life as if Jesus doesn't exist, as if judgment will never come and they'll never have to stand before him. And that's, I believe, today. I believe our life, our lifetime is very close to Noah's lifetime, what it looked like. And all this wickedness. Though all the hopelessness spiritually, Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was sin rampant everywhere, wickedness was growing, evil hearts everywhere, God was ready to send judgment, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he didn't perform a bunch of rituals, he didn't uh, join up with something, Uh, he didn't do enough good deeds to outweigh his bad deeds, no, the grace came from God to Noah where he was at, and saved his soul from judgment. Amen. Uh, And then aren't you glad God uh, promises later that he will not flood the earth again uh, in judgment, but 2 Peter 3, 6 and 7, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water perished. That's Noah. Uh, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly Amen. The world has a judgment coming. It is not going to be flooded again. uh, But fire is going to overtake it about the same way. Uh, Complete destruction, wickedness, sinful men will be punished and removed. And I'll tell you, I stand here today much like the preacher of righteousness Noah did in his day. Saying the only way to escape the future judgment is by the grace of God. And the only thing I will add to that that Noah didn't know is that the grace of God we have a little more detail we know his name Jesus Christ died for our sins rose from the dead on the third day so we could call on his name for salvation it's the blood that he shed on the cross we can find grace as well or you can continue to eat and drink and get married as if judgment will never come but guess what You do that and one day you will find yourself in hell and you will be standing next to those from Noah's day that are still in hell today because they decided not to listen to God, not to go to God's grace, not to get in the ark of safety, not to call on Jesus's name. It's all the same. You've got to respond. God's grace is free. God's grace is available. God's grace will come to you where you're at. But you've got to respond by yes. faith. Amen. Amen. That's what Noah did. Hebrews eleven seven by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. He didn't just pray a prayer like I said a minute ago or make a pledge to God to live a better life. No, he responded by faith. See, God warned him the flood was coming and told him to build an ark, and he did it. He could have said, Lord, I believe you, but I'm not building anything and he would have been in the same flood as the rest of them. Right. But he built the ark, and Noah gave up whatever his former life was and built the boat. A lot of us have seen it, the, the replica in Kentucky. They're 510 feet long and 51 feet high. And I love after we went and seen it, Brother Preston came back and said that thing was big enough for whoever wanted to get into it. And I say, amen. Same thing with heaven. It is big enough for everybody that will trust in Jesus Christ. There's plenty of room. God has room. Hell is the one that has to expand its borders. You want to escape the coming judgment of God and start a relationship with Jesus Christ, it takes faith too. Romans ten nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God's not gonna ask you to spend a hundred years making an ark like he did Noah. But I believe He's got a special plan for each of your lives and my life. He'll have something for you that will make a difference for the kingdom of heaven for eternity. But I want to go back to the beginning there. Genesis 8 and verse 1. And remember Noah and his family spent a year, just over a year on the ark. And do you realize something? Their life before they got on the ark compared to when they were on the ark, everything was totally different. Amen. Amen. Everything was different. Nothing from the prior life was the same. There is there, Nothing would be the same after the flood, after they walked off of the ark. Remember, the earth was full of wicked people when they got on. But when they got off, they were the only ones. That was it. Amen? Uh, but here's the question. Yes, they would start over with a clean slate and everything else. But remember, I told you, God told them to get on. And a year later, God tells them to get off. But what about in the middle? Amen. We don't have the details in the Bible. What about the middle? And I was thinking about this. If you were on the ark with them, you get asked this question. How long do we have to wait? How long do we have to wait to get off of the ark? See, we don't know what they did every day. Right? We don't have. God didn't give us those details. Remember, the Bible is concise. It doesn't give every detail of everything. It gives us what's important. And He doesn't tell us. I mean, we know on one hand, they would have had to take care of the animals. You know, they would have had to do certain things, certain chores every day to keep things running, uh, to get food and things like that. But you think about if you were on the ark with them, days would have turned into weeks. Weeks would have turned into months, and month after month going by. Now, I know a lot of us have toys and pictures and cartoons and everything of Noah's Ark, and they all have a whole bunch of windows on the side, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says uh, that God instructed Noah to make one window. Genesis 6:16, 6, a window shall thou make to the ark and in a cubit shall thou fashion it above One window at the top. Yeah, they didn't have all the portholes. They didn't have the balconies They didn't have all those things like a cruise ship does today one window out of the top and guess what? Noah could not look out of it normally that's why even when he gets near the end, what's he start doing? He starts sending birds. He can open it so he had some kind of system or mechanism to open it, and then he'd let the bird out. The bird would fly out, and he would wait to see what would happen with the bird. He wasn't looking out the ark. Amen? In fact, they don't even see it till he takes the cover off later, and they finally see what's going on. I think that's important. I think on one hand, God did not want them looking around at the destruction and everything else, didn't want them to see the waves, didn't want to see all of the things in judgment going on. If they needed to look somewhere, God provided one direction for them to look, and that was up. I'm here to tell you, I believe that this world wants to have all of us as Christians looking horizontally all the time. And when we look horizontally all the time, what do we see? We see sin. We see destruction. We see heartache. We see pain. We see the problems of this world. And what God really wants us to do, I believe, is to look up. Amen. Wants us to look up to him, to trust him, to call on his name and say, you know what? I I can hear things outside, but I'm not concerned with outside. I'm concerned with you, God. Amen. I I see things on my phone and I receive news that that troubles me, but instead of being troubled, over Something I cannot change, I'm gonna look up to God and call on His name to help me. He can bring peace to your troubled heart today, no matter where you're at. But then, as I was thinking about it, how long would they have to wait? They have no clue how long. We can read the story and see the end. But can you imagine? Remember, the the hard part of the rain was the 40 days and all of that. And then God starts drying things up, the beginning of drying things up at day 150. And like I said, uh, uh, more than half, uh, uh, that was not even halfway to the time that they were in the ark. So there would be a lot of time where I believe it would be very quiet. Right? They could probably hear outside somewhat. But there would be nothing. And I don't see any voice from God. I don't see any things like that. How long do we have to wait? Have you found yourself in a situation like that? None of us are on an ark like that, like they were physically. But spiritually, have you been in the same spot? Yeah. Right? A major change has happened in your life. Something's happened and nothing will be the same. That's where they found themselves. They, life before was one way and life was different now. And when they got out, life would be very different. Have you found yourself there and you're wondering how long, God? How long am I going to be here? How, well, I have no idea what the future holds, but still waiting on the Lord. And those are some of the hardest points, I believe, in our Christian life. When we're waiting on the Lord, we've got the unknown, and then in our mind is thinking about everything else. Have you been there? Or maybe you're there now. And I thought, well, what do you do? What did Noah do? What would help us to continue on? Again, I don't see that God spoke to Noah during this year period. And and we don't get a lot of details about what was going on. But I noticed one phrase. In in Genesis 8-1, it says, and God remembered Noah. And God remembered Noah. So they were in that season of waiting. They're in the unknown. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know all the details, but I can tell you with an assurity that God had not forgotten them. Amen. And I can tell you the same thing today. If you're in a season of waiting, if you're in a season of not sure what tomorrow holds, God has not forgotten you either. The devil wants you to think that he's abandoned you. The devil wants you to think that God's word is no longer true. The promises are no good anymore, but God has not forgotten us yet. Yet. Look at the verse again. Verse 1, and God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made the wind to pass over the earth, and the waters were assuaged. But here's the thing. This phrase is in here for us, right? God wanted us to know he didn't forget Noah. Yeah. But Noah didn't hear anything from God, right? Right? Look at it again. Think about it. It didn't say that God told Noah, I've not forgotten you or I remember you. It just says, and God remembered Noah. The only thing Noah and them could tell was they could tell that there were changes going on outside. That was it. The wind had changed, and that's it. That's the only thing. You know, there are some people today, they're waiting for some thundering voice from God. God. Right. They're waiting for some sign in the heavens. They're waiting for some earth shattering dream or something like that, that it's abundantly clear and everything else. But I'll tell you what, uh, uh, you know, whatever you think you're trying to get from God to uh, to get you in the right direction or whatever to get you through today. When I look at the Bible, I don't really see things like that. Over and over, I see things like First Kings nineteen twelve. There's the prophet Elijah, deep in depression, in a cave, hiding, uh, you know, by himself. The devil's working overtime on his mind. He's giving up. He's not doing what God wants him to do. And the Lord speaks to him not in the whirlwind, not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but in a still small voice. That's it. And I believe that same voice spoke to Noah and his family. And that still small voice wasn't audible. It was they could hear the rain had stopped. They could hear the winds had switched directions. And know that they would not be in there forever. Amen? Amen. And that's it. And I'm telling you one thing. I don't have a groundbreaking message from heaven. I don't have something that's going to, I don't have a message in the sky. I don't have a miracle to show you, but what I do have is the Bible right here. And I'm here to tell you that if you're in that period, if you're in that spot, all, all life has changed. Some event has happened to you. Uh, life's never going to be the same. You're wanting something huge. You're not sure what's going on. You don't know if God uh, uh, is still uh, cares about you or anything else. Let me tell you, not by my authority, but by the authority of God's word. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetous and be content with such things as ye have for he has said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You want a still small voice today? It's right there. God is saying I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The only person on this earth that has ever been forsaken by God was Jesus Christ on the cross when he was dying for our sins and God turned his back on him and God the Father did and Jesus is crying up in heaven and saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He went through the forsaking, so you and I never will. Yeah. But you may be in the ark today, spiritually. Yeah. You may be in a spot where you're not sure what tomorrow holds. And I don't know what day you're in. Right, Uh, they were in, you know, day 150 when some changes started happening, but they had 164 left uh, to go. I don't know where you are at. I can't give you a percentage today, but I'll tell you one thing, whether the trial ends later today or whether it ends the day you uh, close your eyes in death or the Lord calls you home one way or another, the trial will end. And it will end with you seeing Jesus face to face. Seasons of change. Times of doubt and fear. It seems like God has far away and forgotten you. But don't you believe the devil's lies? Don't you believe your own mind and logic? Don't believe your emotions that can lie to you as well and make you feel a certain way that you don't like. Don't trust in your emotions or anything else. Because you know what? You can look back and I can look back in our life and go back to the last trial and the trial before that and the trial before that and ask yourself, looking into the past, did God forsake me? Did God forget me back then? No. It felt like he did sometimes. I didn't feel good. My mind was tore up. I was deep in depression. But God was with me. And eventually the sun came up the next day. And eventually God got me out of that. And there he was. So here's what I have to say to you. And here's what I would say to Noah if I was with him. And here's what I would have had to say to myself. Is keep on walking by faith. Keep on trusting in God. Keep on praying. Keep on relying in His grace. And keep on, instead of looking horizontally, you open that window up to heaven. Amen? You pull the lever up. You open it up and you look up towards Him. And you say, you know what? It is God. It's God. And don't quit. The Lord gave me something a very long time ago. One of the first few messages that I ever preached was Joshua and Jericho. Popular passage to teach and preach from. And you know how they walked around seven times. And I asked the Lord back then, Lord, why did you make them walk around so many times in silence? And the Lord, sometimes He gives you things for free. Sometimes He returns my question with a question. And sometimes he said, Mike, I want you to go outside and walk around your house seven times. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous, but I'm going to do it. And he said, don't say a word. So I walked around. And I walked around. And I walked around. And I noticed something. I noticed where my eyes were looking. The first time I walked around... I was noticing, I, I, I stuck real close to the house because obviously we don't have something as high as Jericho, but I stuck as close as I could to just get as best of a feeling as I could of how high something would be. And guess where my eyes were the first time? I was looking up at how big the wall was. Right? How's this wall coming down if we're just walking around it? That was a couple trips, about two of them, two or three, And then I noticed about the third, fourth time, somewhere around there, I'd looked at the wall enough. I was tired of the wall. I started looking outward the other way. Started almost ignoring as if the wall was there. Started looking around at different things. Right? And then I noticed the last time I walked around, I had looked at the wall. I'd looked out. There was only one place to look left, and that was up toward God. And I realized right there, That's what God wanted them to do. That's what God wanted Noah to do. That's what God wants us to do. Is stop looking out. Stop looking at the phone. Stop looking at the TV. Stop looking in and of our own selves. And look up to Him. That's how we continue. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We get a song. I'm thankful for God's word, aren't you? Amen.